you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Handoff Adrian on second and one. Stutter steps to the left, runs for the first down to the five. And he struts into the end zone. John Brown, 45-40. Shoot by Munderland. Inside the 30-20-10 touchdown. Caught Michael Floyd, 30-25-20. Inside the 15 and into the end zone touchdown. Teddy takes the snap, looks out to the right. Swings it to the left. Man wide open. Touchdown Vikings. Bridgewater steps up, gets hit, the ball's fumble, it's loose at the 37-yard line, the Cardinals recover it. Dwight Freeney with another big play in what should be a Hall of Fame career, forces the sack, sends the team of the Around the NFL podcast to the playoffs. Arizona Cardinals beat Minnesota 23-20 to on another entertaining Thursday night football game. I'm Greg Rosenthal. I'm here with Chris Wesseling, the mailman. We are going to get to Dan Hansis and Mark and Amber Theo Harris and review or uh, preview, rather, all the Week 14 games. But first, Cardinals, tough time on Thursday night, They but they pull it out. Yeah, I think they're the deepest team in the league, but this – game was all about their star power. Carson Palmer breaks Kurt Warner's uh, single-season franchise record for touchdowns. Larry Fitzgerald welcomes Viking safety Anthony Harris to the NFL with a brutal pancake block that springs Michael Floyd for a 42-yard touchdown. That's the block of the year. Block of the year. Floyd goes over 100 yards for the fourth time in five games. On the other side of the ball, Calais Campbell dominates the line of scrimmage. Tyron Matthew is blitzing as a menace on runs and passes. Patrick Peterson shuts down Stephon Diggs. Really a a star-powered performance for the Cardinals. Well, you say they're defined by their depth, and I totally agree. For instance, guys like Tony Jefferson had a big play on Thursday night, but it's the depth of star power. I mean, how many teams have that many guys 
that the rest of the country knows. And if they don't know Calais Campbell, they should because because he's great. All of those guys can win a play, win the game on a couple of plays. And Dwight Freeney is not a guy you really expect to do that at this point. The Cardinals don't really have a one-on-one pass rusher that's consistent. That's why they're 25th in sacks despite blitzing more than just about any team in the league. But when it came down to it, he beats Matt Khalil on a play that a lot of people probably believe Mike Zimmer and the Vikings should not have run. 13 seconds left. Do you think they should have just kicked a field goal right there and tried to send it into overtime? I do. With an inexperienced quarterback, I think the chance of a turnover is just too great. If I had Carson Palmer or a similar style veteran quarterback, I have no problem with a third down pass in that situation. Yeah, and they and they they talked to him. I mean, they said basically you can't you can't take a sack, you can't leave it in the middle of the field. And at first, I thought that's not really on Bridgewater. But then when you rewatch the play, he does have enough time to get rid of it, sense the pressure. He does double pump a little bit, and it's unfortunate because I think Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, played a really strong game. He showed a lot of the attributes that we really liked from him last year in terms of poise and his heady play, and I, I think it was his best game since week two. Set a career high with 335 passing yards. I thought he really dealt with the blitz well, and he seemed to see the field better than he has in weeks. Well, let's be honest. We thought the Vikings were going to get steamrolled here. We did. I, it was a it, good performance from them. They they played like a team, I think, that that needed to win more. Eight and four coming off the most embarrassing performance they had all year by far. And I think they responded really well. And they they could have won this game. They had three fumbles, uh, one of them by Adrian Peterson on a reverse that really slowed one drive's momentum. They were able to move the ball well all night. They ended up about tied in total yardage with the Cardinals, but they couldn't finish drives. Yeah, and I think it's impressive that the Cardinals – now have 11 wins in back-to-back seasons for the first time in their history, and they, they've been around as as long as any franchise in the NFL. <laughs> That's 19, crazy. 1920, Bruce Arians said after the game, when the records start falling, the season speaks for itself. Mm. To me, the, the one hesitation I have is that the same problems that kind of started to rear their head in September are still there. Uh, a lot of missed opportunities that David Johnson drop on the goal line caused them to have a field goal instead of a touchdown. Carson Palmer gets pushed out of field goal range with a sack. And then a third down throw that Larry Fitzgerald almost made a spectacular catch on would have sealed the victory. Instead, the Vikings are allowed to try for the game uh, game tying drive. So those problems and the fact that you mentioned earlier they don't have a one-on-one pass rusher, they have to blitz too much. So those problems are kind of, you know, they won the game. They're 11-2. and two. They're the most well-balanced team in the NFL. But there are a couple issues that could get them. Yeah, they're, they're the only team that's a top-five offense and defense. They're finding ways to win games even when they're not at their very best. And I, I give more credit to Minnesota, I really do, in this game than I do worry about the Cardinals. Uh, I was impressed with, with Minnesota's effort because really from the first minute of the game, uh, they were in it. Their their lines, for the most part, played pretty well. Adrian Peterson looked in, insanely good on that first drive and then really didn't do much uh, the rest of the game. So you have to give credit to Campbell for shutting them down. But these were just two teams uh, that I think now the, the Vikings have to feel good that at least they could maybe take care of business in their next couple of weeks against the Bears and the Giants. And if they win both those games, they, they should be in the playoffs. Yeah, I think it's an encouraging game for the Vikings. Even with the loss, you're playing without your three best defensive players. And Teddy Bridgewater has his best game since probably September. So that's encouraging. And then for the Cardinals, my favorite part of the game was Red Bryant, who was just signed off the street two weeks ago, 
was really rallying the defensive troops, was the already mm. the leader. And then you take a guy like Dwight Freeney, who was also signed off the street in October. To me, the Cardinals are, are picking up these leaders, anticipating a Super Bowl. That's a cool team. I mean, we hit a home run picking this as the team of the Around the NFL podcast. They can clinch the NFC West if the Seahawks happen to lose on Sunday. If not, they'll try to clinch next week. That's the Thursday night game. Let's preview the rest of the week 14 games and send it over to Dan. The Around the NFL podcast never touches an official. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. I agree with that drop. That is accurate. I thought it was heading towards something maybe a little rude, like never like saw a girl or something. I thought it was going to head towards that down that road, which, you know, would have been rude, but it wasn't. I don't even remember what it was anymore. What was well, it? Well, we've never, never touched an official, according oh. to the to Matt Money Smith, which is true for me. I don't know about Greg and Wes. I've never physically assaulted an official. You've, touched, you've just touched them, though? I'd like to get in the same room with the competition committee. I did ask Dean <laughs> Blandino a question from about a foot or two away, but I don't think we shook hands or anything, so I don't think I've touched them. Connor Orr and I talked with Dean Blandino for about an hour at the owner's meetings. An hour? If I could I'm have not been kidding. a fly on that Long wall, time. let me tell you. Great guy, actually. Dino Blandino? I will say that. It's not going to be a popular thing to say, but he well, couldn't have been, been friendlier. it's been a tough year for Dino. Couldn't have been friendlier. Because he's in a tough spot now. He like, is in a very tough when, spot. When they started having Dino on, uh, it, it felt real and felt transparent, but now that since the, the rules – and they were under assault, uh, the officials, he's he's now Wait, become on. the face of that. Hold on, Dan. Shadowy League officials. Oh, that's right. Are. Never mind. I think Dean is doing a great yeah, job. Yeah, I think I was on party line there. You, but I actually do believe – I think Dean is doing the best. Uh, he's got a bad situation. He's Tough spot. Right now. Mm-hmm. You explain the catch rule every week. Exactly. It's got to be the hardest job in sports. <laughs> um, a big show coming up today. It is our Thursday, late, uh, er, late Thursday, early Friday preview show. Uh, you just heard at the top, Wes and Rosenthal. They call them the Wes and Rosenthal team. That's the name. Catchy. Of Catchy. Uh, <laughs> talk to you about uh, the Thursday night football matchup between the Vikings and the Cardinals. So we got that one done. Uh, but we have 32 teams, 16 games. One's been played, 15 to talk about. I can't get that wrong. No, the math is going to be the same the rest of the season. Although it's going to get tricky in the playoffs. <laughs> although there is no Thursday night game in Week 17, and we got a couple Saturday night games coming up. But that's, that's I'm already sweating thinking season. about it. <laughs> By the way, I just want to say, Greg, off the top, we got a couple things we got to talk about in the show, Greg. Wow. But one thing, because I listened to our last show when we were talking about embarrassing um, singles purchases and how we were in the trust tree, and not to, you know, keep it real. We won't make fun of each other. On f- upon further review, the Cyrus thing was a little lame because that was kind of it's kind of hipster reaction. I was just trying to give you an extra one because I thought you guys wouldn't like it or whatever that it was. Embarrassing. Came across as boastful almost. Exactly. It was like, oh, uh, well, you, you know, <laughs> fine. Then I could have just stuck you know, with Duran Duran, which was fine. Yeah, you did offer us a late period. It was the, it's the one that I've been made fun of the most in my house. That's uh-huh. for sure. My wife has not been in a no-shame zone. She has shamed me for that one many times. (laughs) Well, you've been through a lot. Well, you guys are even now since Greg lampooned your live selection right off the bat. Well, that's right. I kept it real. I gave like five examples. All of them were embarrassing, maybe except for Garden State, but even Garden State. Garden State's great. 
Yeah, you did the same thing. You just turned it around and made it, you know, look at me. I'm a cool hipster music. How is that a cool <laughs> hipster? No one thinks. Like, uh, oh, yeah, 30, this progressive uh, oh, yeah, Miley Ray Cyrus 36-year-old dorky white guy listens to Miley Cyrus in car. What a cool guy. In Give car. In car. <laughs> got, the, got the windows up cranking. Uh, for the record, I was embarrassed for Greg that he owns. See? Exactly. What? I'm speaking it's to telling. the younger audience. You've lost touch. <laughs> What I mean, what are, what are we talking about? You're saying that you how are is connected live even embarrassing culture. if no one's even ever heard of Greg climbing up the common, common man rankings again, <laughs> getting a strawberry truck. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we got all the games to get to. We're gonna have a a guest, a first time guest, um, Amber Theo Harris uh, from NFL Network will stop by and preview a couple of games. So let's get to it, boys. You want to talk about some football games? Oh yeah. All right, let's do it. Let's start with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Really, uh, you know, if you want to talk about flavor of the week right now, and I guess deservedly so, you can say everyone very high on the Steelers as not just a team that is going to claim a playoff spot but could do some real damage in the postseason if and when they get there. They head to Cincinnati to face the Bengals. The Bengals have a chance at 10-2 and two to clinch the AFC North with a win, uh, but the Steelers at 7-5 and five need this game, so there's a level of – yeah, I'm going to say a little desperation involved going seven, seven and six in the AFC playoff picture is a very tough uh, uh, road to sled if you get to that point. So the Steelers need this game. The Bengals could probably survive without it. Uh, and then you factor in Chris Wessling, Ben Roethlisberger playing at an absolute monster level. Uh, Greg and I were tweeting about this the other night. I was up late and watching rewatching the Colts Steelers game because we do the podcast while the Sunday night game is on and Big Ben, I know Greg has said nobody's playing better than Russell Wilson, but Ben's right there with him. This is the hottest offense the NFL has seen since the 1982 Air Coryell Chargers with Dan Fouts, Wes Chandler, Charlie Joyner, all those guys. But Loved watching those guys. Who was that last guy? I was three. Uh, I believe they had John Jefferson. They had Chuck Munson. No, the other guy, Wes. Wes Chandler. Could this aw offense be any more explosive? <laughs> Friends nice joke. friends, Chandler Bing. Got it. Thanks. Yeah. Well, I think you know, it. <laughs> Mark Mark just not a fan, even though he was a big friends guy. I just thought you would be a little more not supportive. a big friends guy. And uh, joke. I like friends. I like one or two members quite a bit, but I'm not. I wouldn't call myself a huge fan of the show. I don't think I've watched an episode. In you like are. You six are the years. only Phoebe uh, diehard. I, I know. That's true. Love her. All right. Let's get back to the game. Well, I think Antonio Brown and Martavis Bryant, we've said this before, the most dynamic duo in the league. And then Mar Marcus Wheaton finally developing a rapport with Big Ben. He had been among the biggest enigmas in the league. 250 yards, 12 catches, and three and two touchdowns over the past two weeks. That's It's almost unfair if he develops into the guy that they thought he could be. If you add him into the mix and all three of those guys are healthy, as is Big Ben, who's going to stop him? Who's going to cover? I don't care what secondary. I don't care what defense you are. Even if you're the Broncos, how are you going to cover these guys? Well, it reminds me of the their former coordinators team, the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, they've, they've in the last couple of years have added even more weapons on top of their previous weapons. And what about D'Angelo Williams? You thought oh, Le without Le'Veon Bell, the Steelers are going to lose their most dynamic player outside of Big Ben, and it's going to freeze their run game, and he's such a great pass catcher. D'Angelo Williams has been awesome. He caused Chris Collinsworth he, to, to involuntarily yell, wow, on back-to-back -back plays Sunday night. And he has been incredible. On the same day in this offseason, C.J. Spiller and D'Angelo Williams were signed, and you would have never guessed that C.J. Spiller would be a 
behind Tim Hightower on the depth chart, while D'Angelo Williams is a legitimate top 10 running back right now. Maybe He's got a great burst. Maybe his long speed isn't as good as when he was in his t- mid-20s, but I don't really even know yeah, that. Yeah, but as you said, he's wildly patient. Right. He he waits. <laughs> he is. The <laughs> offensive line gets credit, but they shouldn't get all the credit. Uh, some of the plays where, where Collins were said, wow, there is a free rusher right at D'Angelo Williams. That has nothing to do with the offensive line. He makes that first guy miss. He has been outrageously good. And you mentioned that no secondary can cover this team. This Bengals secondary is banged up, and mm. I think that's that's trouble. How about this? The entire uh, around the NFL team, all five of us, not Greg. Greg quit on us. I would take uh, the Steelers. The burlap sack of shame for Greg. Uh, we all pick the Steelers. Fan consensus has the Cincinnati Bengals, but we believe the Steelers will tighten up the AFC North. I will take the Steelers for the rest of the mm-hmm. year. Yeah, and I, I took the Steelers, and I feel pretty good about their offense, but I, I know this isn't my role, but we disrespect the Bengals way too much on this Yeah, podcast. we do. Well, and by the way, also their we defense. Didn't, none of us even had them in the playoffs before the uh, I know, we oh, and we love the Steelers every time we have a chance to love the Steelers. And, Ber- and Michael Berger, who's been on our show before, you said this uh, this game doesn't necessarily mean that much to the Bengals. He thought it's their biggest regular season game of his lifetime. Well, they have to prove is, they can which beat is the fan, wow. Which is a fan type of thing to say, but I know what he means. He, they really desperately want that buy, and they desperately do not want to win a home, lose a home game to the to the Steelers. All right, good luck, Berger. <laughs> you know? You know? Well, you're saying it doesn't matter. No, it does. Let's move on. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons free falling out into nothing. Uh, head to Charlotte to face the Panthers. Uh, the Falcons once upon a time were five and zero. Now they are six and six and need to make some things happen to avoid an embarrassing collapse out of uh, playoff uh, out of the playoff picture. The Panthers, of course, twelve and zero. And uh, Greg, uh, I know you are a big Matt Ryan fan, uh, but when it comes down to it. The, he doesn't have the weapons, and the Panthers are just too good to to lose this game, right? There's no reason to think that the Panthers are going to have their letdown in this week. I think it, ma- it made sense on some level that a couple bad things go against them, against the Saints, and you're in the Superdome, and Drew Brees makes a couple plays in the second half. I can't see the Falcons uh, being overly competitive in this game. I don't think Matt Ryan's been as bad as you make him out to be. Uh play to play. He keeps having these back breaking picks at the end of games, which everyone's going to remember when, and especially when they see the highlights, I mean, he's been fine. He just hasn't been a difference maker in a positive way at all for them. They just don't look extremely comfortable in this offense, but that bucks game, I, I didn't watch it till recently. And I came out after our last podcast thinking they must've been terrible. And they really just came within a play where they couldn't tackle Jameis Winston of probably winning that game. Well, that's every was, week. That's every week. No, they've the been in all that's, these games, but they're not a terrible football team. They're probably just a seven and nine, eight and eight type. I team. think they're a six and six team, and it's just they've they've approached it a really weird way that's made them look bad. But really, they're kind of where they should be. There was a three play sequence last week where I thought was telling for Matt Ryan's season. Julio Jones slips on a ball that would have gone for a first down. They throw deep to Jacob Tammy, who is one of the most slowest moving tight ends in the league, and then uh, they're a small school. Six-round pick or whatever, Justin Hardy can't come up with a possession receiver ball on third down that, that really just landed in his hands. And This is who Matt Ryan's working with right now. When G- a slow-moving tight end is your second-best target, it, you're not going to do much on offense. It seems like his third option on every play is, is Patrick DeMarco. Right, and O'Brien Schofield's like the most dynamic player in their front seven. This is what we said going into the season. They really team. only have four or five above-average starters on the entire roster. Um. Connor Orr 
is, you know, he's part of our picks. And we have um, another media or another group within the newsroom that we, as a group, go against uh, picks head-to-head, and the winner has to buy dinner and drinks at the end of the season. Uh, it is the uh, – what's the name of that group? Well, they, the they, ladies of long form. Oh, they don't like to be called that. Well, they create our long form content, and then you throw in John Marvel, who oversees that, and he's part of the shadowy league. original the, content. The team. original content team. Is what I, was <laughs> or, or I thought you were looking. <laughs> or there, or call them that if you want. How about that? Uh, anyway, uh, Connor Orr has picked against the Panthers eleven out of twelve weeks this, this uh, season. How's that going he, for? He's him? an idiot, and he's he could cost us dinner and drinks, so we might have to. You know, talk. Did he they, pick up against him this week too? Yeah, he picked up against this, him again. This Panthers offense is putting up. People now don't even notice this putting up 500 yards a game. Suddenly, the offense is almost as explosive and, and dominant as the defense is. They're phenomenal. It's not a good pick by Connor, who buried it last week. This isn't the week the Panthers are going to lose. I wouldn't think so. Yeah. All right. Moving on, uh, the Washington Redskins coming off a, a dispiriting home loss to the Cowboys on Monday night. Now travel to Soldier Field uh, for a game against the Bears. Uh, uh, two five and seven teams. Uh, Mark Sessler. Uh, you know the Redskins have a lot to play for. The Bears basically need to win out and hope for a miracle. Uh, your thoughts on this game? Well, I mean, we got the Redskins team that allowed the entire you know system to collapse upon them on Monday night. So they'll win this game. That's what they do. They they flip flop wins. And yeah, I mean with Washington. I, I don't know. What, what what do you say about it the team at this point? <laughs> I think There's nothing consistent to say about them because it doesn't translate I, from week to week. I actually I sort of disagree. I think they're the most consistent team in the NFC East. They're just they are what they are what, what they are. What is what is a most consistent team in the NFC East? It's a team that tries to go on these long drives, has struggles to get the running game going each week. You pretty much know what you have in Kirk Cousins. He's mostly limiting mistakes, but he's not going to make any throws that beats you. It's a average defense, and they're a six, seven win type of team. I guess what I mean is like that's they, not consistent. When that's they show, just a, that's just mediocre. But they're they're more or less the same team every week. Now they get blown out by good teams, and they win some big games uh, against some bad teams where things go their way. But that game against the Cowboys, I I guess my point is I don't think it was unrepresentative of who they are as a team. Well, well, I don't think we're saying that. I think that's just that you can't count on them to be the same thing every week. And my, I don't know. That's my opinion. I, I feel that they overachieve some weeks, and then the next week they can't handle a game that should absolutely win. You could say that about every NFC East team. Yeah, exactly. The Bears, uh, Gold Standard's cousin, Eddie Goldman, second-round pick, nose tackle, two sacks last week, was crashing the pocket the whole game, blocked an extra point, building block for Vic Fangio's defense. Well – if you if he watches and obviously he will that that Cowboys game I mean they really sent a lot of blitzes at Kirk Cousins he did not handle them very well I saw some criticism that Cousins was not changing the play enough uh, at the line of scrimmage so you would think that Fangio who loves to be creative is going to make things hard on an offensive line that's been been pretty bad and this def- this offense has been pretty bad that touchdown they scored was the first touchdown they had scored in nine almost ninety minutes. Oh. Of action. How about this? Kirk, uh, in a game and a half, that was the they had six points. Kirk Cousins is not a terrible quarterback. I mean, he's he's no. a middle of the road type guy, but you got to pair him with a running game to have a shot. Yes. And Alfred Morris and Matt Jones, two guys you would think would team up to be a good tandem, averaging three and a half yards a carry between the two of them. Alfred Morris hasn't even scored a touchdown. Matt Jones has three. I mean, this is not a running. They're not getting the compliment in the running game, and you're putting too much on Kirk Cousins. It's not a good recipe for success. They want to be a ground and pound team, but they don't have the offensive line. 
or the yeah, system Trent, to pull it off. Trent Williams is is a Pro Bowl left tackle, but the other four spots are a problem. Uh, Wes, you took the Redskins. Uh, the rest of us took the Bears. Nailed it. Home run. Jogging around the bases. Everyone happy. Uh, moving on to the next 1 p.m. game, the San Francisco 49ers travel to Cleveland to face the Browns. Uh, the Browns, of course, 2-10. and 10, Not much cooking there. The Niners, 4-8. Um, and eight. Two teams playing out the string. Coaches trying to keep their jobs. Uh, not a lot to say about this game. I will tell you something happened if you want to get excited. A <laughs> couple things, first of all. Johnny Manziel playing, so it gives the game a little juice. Uh, he, he had a quote this week, I was forced to learn a hard lesson. Mark, how many times have we heard a quote like that from Johnny Menzel since last May? That's his version of accountability. <laughs> and you're not, well, impressed. you're not impressed by it, Mark? Why should I be? That's not at all being accountable. I mean, I, I don't want to – you know what? I think we've said everything on Tuesday and this week that we need to say about Johnny. Yeah, we'll Menzel. talk about Johnny yeah. on Sunday night. Mark has reached the point he is tired of this story. Uh, we At one point yesterday, Austin, our uh, – editor on the desk nice man. suggested uh, a Manziel post of, you know, because uh, different parts of his quotes came out that made him look bad. And at that point, Mark was just like, I've had it. I am an, I'm through with writing about Well, this someone guy. else can have their take put out there. I've already written about this guy 755, eight times at this point. The so. biggest news to come out of uh, Cleveland on Thursday, uh, tight end Gary Bonage signed a three-year extension with the Browns, keeping the veteran tight end in business uh, with Cleveland. Uh, this is great news. This well, I'll say this. Go look at what Jordan Cameron's doing in Miami, and you ask who's playing the better. Woo! I'll tell you, of all the bad Jordan things. Jordan Cameron is, is, is not having a good season, and Barnage has been dynamic for Cleveland. I'm Gary Barnage. When the Browns called, I thought they was taking the piss, but they were serious. Mega, mate. Call me mom straight away. Mega deal by the Browns. Mega. I'm mad for it. I'm the richest bloke I know. Over the moon. Know what I mean? I'm quids in, mate. I'm quids in. I don't know what that means, but <laughs> Gary Barnage on pace to, I believe, break the Browns' tight end record set by Ozzy Newsom for most receiving yards in a season. Not a bad deal either. The, uh, the report was it could be north of $12 million for three years, so that's that's a very low quids salary in, right? for a starting tight end. So He's barely making more work. than Dwayne Bowe. Right. <laughs> no, he's making a lot, lot less. I mean – he, he won't make more. He'll make in three years what Dwayne Bowe makes in one. Going to the boozer, collecting Johnny Manziel, going on a piss, going to get legless. I'm quids in, mate. Quids Getting in. legless, huh? <laughs> Getting legless. Oh, I get it. You you think this is a good move because you can keep this bit going a couple more years. <laughs> I get it. Gary Barnage was going to sign a, a big deal. We need to get Gary Barnage on the podcast. He's not going to sound anything like you think he sounds. Well, we just to make sure, first of all, because I need to hear it. I know it's quote-unquote he's from Kentucky or something. Don't buy it. Uh, Bowling Green. And if, uh, if he is indeed American, I want to hear his accent. Well, we sit near someone who's quite close with him. So right. I could yeah, Fabiano it. said he, he's buddies with him. He's like, oh, you guys, you guys ever talk to Gary? Great guy. Yeah, but Fabs, and I love Fabs. I sit next to him. He's a nice guy. But Fabs is one of those guys that says everybody's his buddy. So I don't know if it's actually uh, true or not. Yeah. What? I mean, they have they have uh, listen, get ready uh, for the ladies, snitches so, on know, Twitter. I, that's not what that is about. I'm just they saying. have hosted events together. They do have a, a genuine relationship from what I can tell on Twitter. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, Mark and I both picked the Browns to win with Johnny Manziel. We'll see how that mm. turns out. Lane Gabbard's the best quarterback in this game. 
Um, oh, yeah. Very true. Moving on, the Indianapolis Colts are 6-6, uh, six and six, tied with the Texans atop the uh, wretched AFC South. They now get the Jacksonville Jaguars. they got to travel. Nobody likes to go to the Evergreen uh, Bank field in a big game, in a big spot in December. I mean, that's one thing I do know from watching football. Uh, if Jacksonville has any hope of staying in this race, they need to win, get to 5-8, and eight, and then hope some really bad stuff happens ahead of them. So, yes, that is a must-win for the Jaguars. And the Colts, listen, I think the Jags are going to win this game, and the reason I do is because I think the Matt Hasselbeck uh, storyline has been a little bit uh, phony on some level. <laughs> what and do you I don't, mean? You know, <laughs> I don't think that he's actually a good quarterback. I think he's old. I don't even – is he even playing this week? I agree with so Dan on up. this one. This is, the wheels are about to fall off the Hasselbeck train, and I'm saying it's going to happen in Jacksonville. Yeah, but he, he, I thought Hasselbeck's game against the Steelers was, was one of the worst quarterback games of anyone all year. And this is the right defense to solve that problem because look what Phillip Rivers and Marcus Mariota have done the last two weeks, two of the best games by any quarterback. Hmm. I mean, I don't think Hasselbeck's been healthy, number one. He's playing through. Because he's old. Well, old he's guys old. get hurt all the time. He's, he, was, he was playing great before last week. And my, when I say great, he was doing his job. That's why I don't think it's a phony story. Yes, he's not the best quarterback in the league, but he did as well as he possibly could have expected. And he's, you know, he's terrible. I, when we, as this AFC South race gets closer and closer to producing, giving birth to like a <laughs> seven and nine division winner, I want the Texans to win this division because they're more interesting on both sides of the ball. The Colts are boring. They are. I'm going to leave well, it right there. They are boring to watch. Well, yes, of They'll course, but they were Andrew. boring with Andrew Luck this season. That's true. And their defense is one of the most faceless groups in the entire league. Kendall Langford is their most consistent player in their front seven, which is not a good sign. And Vontae Davis, who is one of those cornerbacks who, when he's really good, like he's really, really good, top five, but he's having just an okay year. I mean, he's not, he's not killing them, but he's not having that – season when we talked about him as one of the best players in the league. He's not been a huge difference maker. Are you going to be able to make it uh, to Indianapolis for, you know, you know. The combine? No, no, no. For uh, (laughs) Frank Gore's funeral. Oh. Oh, wow. You picked the wrong week to say that. One of his best games of the year looked great last week against Pittsburgh. Oh, really? Clearly did not watch the game. When he he averaged three and a half yards a carry? He had 95 total yards. You watched that. He He got outplayed by the other 32-year-old running. Yeah, he had a good game, though. He had three catches. Had had, uh, 45 yards. That's what it's come to for Frank Gore. That's his best game of the year. By the way, he's putting up Trent Richardson production this season. He has uh, 4.5 yards per carry. All right, so you're you're in denial I'm, right now. No, I'm blaming it on the offensive line. You put him on a good that team. That sounds like denial. Just be the regular 4.1. Nothing crazy. You go watch that game. You haven't watched okay. the game. He, he played well last. You year. know what? Don't get defensive. All right, just because you're not going to Frank Gore's funeral. You know, you come at the king. <laughs> oh wow. You know, you come at the inconvenient Greg, truth. Greg getting haircuts. Wait, are you calling Frank Gore the king or yourself the king? <laughs> I think we know what the answer I'm to that is. I'm saying Frank Gore. That's, Greg, that's Greg, not that's how his, that sounded. His weekly NFL Network hit. Uh, you know, with go. Michael Silver. Here we go. Uh, you know, he's getting his hair cut. I think he got his makeup done and didn't even have a TV hit yesterday. <laughs> there is, you know, I'll say I, this is my day off, and I'm happy to come in here and do this, but the tension is uncomfortable. Let's get it together, and let's start with Greg having a little bit more of a generous spirit to the rest of the room starting now. Comment, Greg. It's ridiculous. He's taking shots at Frank Gore after a great game. Mark Sessler and Kevin Patra both took the Colts. 
Dan, Connor, and Chris all took the Jags. Moving forward, the San Diego Superchargers. Uh, talk about depressing, boring teams. Are at three and nine. They head to Kansas City to face the Chiefs. Um, perhaps, uh, with all due respect to the Carolina Panthers, the hottest team in football right now, seven and five, surging into uh, playoff favorite status. I mean, if you ask. Uh, uh, the football world right now, they would tell you that there's no way the Chiefs can make miss the playoffs. Uh, and to that, I'll say, uh, just stick around because they're locked in. The NFL has a weird way of turning around uh, locks. Is all I'm going to say. The Chiefs I mean, are seven and even five. Even a quarterback injury wouldn't kill him because Alex Smith's barely better than Chase Daniel. Well, we'll see. Is all I'm going to say. They're seven and five, playing very well. Uh, this is a the part of the reason a lot of people are saying they're a lock is because their schedule is so easy and it doesn't get much easier I think right now than getting San Diego in your building when you have a home field advantage like this Wes. Von Miller treated Philip Rivers like a pinata last week. He was under constant attack yep. the whole game. Von Miller was all over him and and Melvin Gordon, come on, Spice Rack, another fumble from Melvin no, Gordon. No. This guy fumbles there's, every time I watch. There's nothing special about Melvin Gordon. It gets like 53 yards in a fumble every game. Can you Way to go, Spice Rack. Can you imagine the pressure on Spice Rack knowing that he missed on, let's face it, he missed on Melvin Gordon, and now he's got to, if he misses again, he's out of the game. Well, there, there may no be a little bit more pressure yeah. on the Chargers for missing on Melvin Gordon, but <laughs> well, I don't know. They said Tom Telesco, the GM, he, he got signed to a contract extension before the year, and it sounds like they're going to keep McCoy, so maybe there's not a lot of pressure. And uh, I disagree. The easiest uh, matchup in football right now is San Diego in San Diego. I think they're <laughs> better. They're true. better on the road. Philip Rivers had a vintage that game. Granted, against it was against Jackson. Well, he threw a pick six last week, and I don't think that that, that game is, what, 10-3 if he doesn't? Yeah, but even like even if you factor that in. That was his in, fifth pick six of the year. They were only wow. down. Yeah. He has, the, he has the most in the league by far. Wait, how many pick six? Five, and I did not. I Wait, did not. Phil Burns has thrown five pick six. That's what they said on the broadcast. Yeah. I just watched, and I, I was, I don't remember what? all of them, but it was. You stunning. have to keep in mind he's he's playing behind like he is. fourth string offensive lineman and throwing well, to. He, De- Don what's Trout the record? Shab had Javon? six. I don't know. Well, I think th- no, this season, he, right? I mean, the game was seventeen three, and it would have been ten three. Had that not happened. I'm shocked at that. I don't know. I mean, Here's just the thing, though. Pick sixes, we always talk about pick sixes like they're meaningful in a predictive way. It's all just luck. Yeah, it, an interception is an interception. After it well, tell Matt Schaub that, who's a, a punch. I know, line. but that's it's essentially been a, a, an amazing amount of bad luck. I just mean interceptions are one thing. If you have a bunch of pick sixes, I don't think that's like. In that's any fair, way but sometimes so with some quarterbacks, like you're watching a lot of Browns, sometimes it's a. You don't have the wherewithal. You get it tipped at the line, and there's no one to stop the defender who catches it at the line. That's, that's also, not predictive, but it is bad fundamentals. I would, and bad. And I would think the there are coaches that would a coach would probably tell you there are certain throws that le- you know lend themselves to be pick six. I was just going to say you've got guys who don't have strong. Philip Rivers does not have a strong arm. No. Schaub has one. You're throwing out routes or sideline routes. They're not getting without, it. without a weak arm. That's gonna that's gonna lend you to a pick six. Yeah, I well, want the, the two biggest pick sixers of all time have monster arms: Brett Favre and Dan Marino. That's your top two. But that's well, they, they played forever. Throw more attempts than anyone. Hey, <laughs> um, just trying to throw things. Total <laughs> wormhole. <laughs> uh, just check. Let's check in on the Dalton scale. By the way, we talked about. Uh, replacing Andy Dalton in our last podcast as the prime meridian of quarterbacks. Uh, voting is not done yet, but I will tell you what? that it is extremely close. Um, 
uh, between Alex Smith mm. and Ryan Tannehill are neck and neck right now. It looks like as of taping, Jay Cutler uh, pretty far in the bat and the uh, behind those two men. So we'll see, uh, you know, where well, this ends up. Why is it so different when we look at the different polls, Daniel? They are two different polls because they only offer one one day polls. <laughs> if you really want to get into it, uh, okay. on my off day, someone put up a poll. I believe our desk editor, David Ely. And then I was getting multiple Twitter mentions. Hey, when are you putting up the poll? So I put one up this morning at like 5 a.m. Again. And then Ely was like, oh, we already had one up. So what we're going to do is we're going to combine the two polls. Okay. Sorry. I'm on out. Greg's Alex Smith train on this one. Yeah, it's got to be Alex Smith. I mean, please, voters. Tannehill. Several people had a, okay, a decent idea that it should be renamed the Ryan Tannescale. It's a little cutesy, isn't it? Is it? A little bit. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not going to say I, I dismiss it out of hand or anything, but. Don't you think it's a little bit? I think he's been too up and down. Last year, we would have been all for him. This year, he's buried way below. No, I Alex was, Smith I was never on nice, board Tannehill. Nice and in the middle. That's what <laughs> we're looking for. Uh, let's move on to the Tennessee Titans. Uh, three and nine, last place in the AFC, now tr- AFC South, traveling to the Meadowlands. Rivalry game. To face the Jets. Uh, their uh, Jets were also Titans at one time. That's what I'm saying. Yep, and uh, so the Jets in a situation at seven and five. The Giants, listen, the Giants gave the Jets a gift, and the Jets, for once in their lifetime, accepted the gift, took care of business once it was presented, uh, won that game to get in seven, get to seven and five. And when you look at the schedule and what's going on in the AFC playoff picture, you realize that probably saved their season. So the one thing you cannot do, you cannot uh, get what amounted to a near uh, a miraculous win over the Giants, and then. Uh, you know, choke against the Titans at home. You got to take care of business. This is a big. Uh, this would reflect very poorly on Todd Bowles and that entire coaching staff if they don't have this team ready for this game. Jets should roll, and yet I'm always nervous about the Jets and they're building in a big spot in December. Your thoughts, guys? Uh, which Jets defense is going to show up? Because Marcus Mariota and Carson Palmer are the only two quarterbacks in the league with three uh, of the top 20 QBRs this year. Hmm. And Marcus Mariota has done it against the Saints, the Bucks, and the Jaguars, three of the worst defenses in the league. If it's a good defense, I have no faith in the Titans' uh, passing game weapons to well, help Mariota out. Here's one thing. Darrell Revis returned to practice on Thursday uh, in a limited fashion, and I believe there is some positive buzz out there now that he will be back after missing two games. And, you know, there's been way too much made over the, the decline of Darrell Revis. If, he is, if his head is right, he's still going to be – uh, uh, adding an excellent player to that defense, and that will make a big difference, I think. I think we're going to see Revis. I mean, it, that will help a lot because in that Giants game, well, number one, Odo Beckham speed, no one could even touch him. But Will Ty was making big plays. I mean, they're throwing the ball to everyone in that game, and they couldn't stop the pass. I give the Jets, though, and Fitzpatrick a ton of credit for – I didn't see it on Sunday, saw it later – what he did in that fourth quarter. That was a money quarter by Fitzpatrick. I mean, I was, they're going to hang in this game. I was waiting for you to. Oh, I'm I'm ready. Bring up Greg. the old. Uh, I'm ready to talk about the old QB index. That maybe that's why there's tension you sense, Mark, because I'm legitimately upset with Greg Rosenthal because not only uh, has he betrayed me uh, personally by putting Ryan uh, Fitzpatrick that's at a number betrayal? twenty uh, out of thirty-two quarterbacks in the quote tier acceptable category, uh, which is behind such luminaries as uh, Matt Ryan, Alex Smith, Marcus Mariota, Tyrod Taylor, and Blake Bortles, and Jay Cutler, uh, to name just a few. Uh, It seems as if you didn't see what 
Ryan Fitzpatrick, the much maligned Fitzpatrick that could never win in December and is never consistent, threw 51 passes in a must-win game and didn't throw a single interception, led them down the field for the win, and then the go-ahead field goal. Gutsy, gutsy scrambling, as he does every week, playing the best football of his career and on pace for 30 touchdowns and 4,000 yards passing, and yet he is one of the worst quarterbacks in football, according to this paper. Well, Ryan Tannehill is also on pace for 4,000 yards, so I think you have to watch. Mm, but very different. Watch the games. And very different. See, and you're right. I haven't watched Fitzpatrick. I, I mean, that's part of the thing. Is I The whole point is I try to watch each and every game, and I usually spend most of my Fridays and Saturdays, whatever free time I don't have with, with the kids, I watch them then. So sometimes the ranking – I've watched about half by the time I've read this. If you're making the argument he's going to move up a little, yeah, he probably will. But you're making the big argument he needs to be a little higher. If you're arguing Absolutely. he needs to be 18 ahead of Matt Ryan or 19 ahead of Stafford, it's like, okay, that's that maybe will happen after I watch this game. But Ryan Fitzpatrick's bad games have been really bad. Not he, quite as bad as you seem to worse think. Worse than David. Matt Ryan's. And you, you said if anyone's watching the tape, then you're not going to take uh, Ryan – over Fitzpatrick. And I agree. I disagree. Ryan's been very middle of the pack. That's Matt why Ryan. afterwards, Matt Ryan, that is, I went to look to, at Pro Football Focus, who does, you know, it's nothing scientific, but they try to watch each play. They have him eighth in Fitzpatrick 22. So it made me think I'm not crazy. No He's comment. been middle of the road. His bad games aren't as bad as Fitzpatrick's bad games. He has about five games this year where he really hurt the Jets. That, that's all. I thought you did an excellent <laughs> job with the list, but I don't think you've watched Jay Cutler play a snap this year. <laughs> How is he 12th ahead of Tyrod Taylor, ahead of Marcus Mariota? Come on. You should honestly. Mariota has a really surprising stat, by the way, that's in his favor and should worry the Jets maybe in this game. He's second in the league in first downs per com- per, per attempt, which is wild, which makes you think if they had a running game, he'd be much, much better. A question about the Jets, because I I'm, I'm Connor just, asked this in his piece ah, on Sunday. I just can't believe it. Jets oh, are, give me a break. No, it's just I'm sorry, Mark. Let me just one more. Go ahead. Like, honestly, like he can't. He's not. He's ten ten quarterbacks worse than Jameis Winston this year. You want to talk about Jameis up and Winston down? Winston has been outstanding. You want to talk about up and down? Blake Bortles up and down. Jay Cutler, the epitome of up and down. Tyrod Taylor up and down. And so is Fitzpatrick. The, yeah, but these They're guys all are all like, about the same. These That's, guys are like seven spots ahead. It, it should be in the middle of the pack tier, but absolutely. But I think it's fair that Greg doesn't have enough time in the day to watch all these games. I, I do end up watching them, them all. I'm in one game's not going to change that much. I'm showing Dan my little, you know grades and graphs throughout the season. That one game is going to change Fitzpatrick's average, but not that much. It's one game out of 12. That's impressive because, you know, you like math teachers always say, show your work. Greg is showing I'm his showing work. showing you today. my work. No, I, you know what? And I'm not questioning Greg's, uh, you know, football knowledge, but I think he's a little bit like thrown bit off under. by the specter of what Ryan Fitzpatrick has been, and you're not seeing what he has been this year. I, I went and you know, examine this. I wanted to soul search. Am I being biased in any way against Fitzpatrick? What is what is the problem? You know what's killing him is September. You have you know, September counts just as much as the last month. In September you have an idea that Fitzpatrick was somehow playing well and he was terrible. From weeks two to four he had three straight really poor games and they were winning and they were doing some things that had nothing to do with him. And that's been dragging him down. How can you be dragged down when that was about two months ago? I don't know. Well, that all counts. It's gotta be coming up, charging up your list. All right. Sorry, Mark. What did you say? Well, I was just going to ask. They're seven and five. The Jets. What would the record be without Brandon Marshall? Oh, they would. I be think two he's and the 12. best. He's he's been amazing for them. And it, when you do watch the Jets game, Greg, it'll put an emphasis on that. He was money in the bank for the Jets. That was the. And in, in some ways, I almost because I didn't know this before we 
start of the podcast, I didn't realize you didn't see this game because this was a gutsy Fitzpatrick game. And yeah, I'm sure he'll get bumped up off this. And his and Brandon Marshall has been just an incredible player for them this year. And Fitzpatrick, to his credit, is always going to be gutsy enough to give those guys a chance to make plays. Eric Decker's having a great year too. Eric Decker, no love for that guy. Nice, I think nice he's been year. playing really well. Much better in the slot. Uh, Connor Oro picks against New York teams every week. Pick the Titans. The rest of us pick the Jets. Um, <laughs> it's going to cost you guys money. I know. Well, awesome. the money is going to come out of, and I, Connor Orr is a dear friend to us all, but the money is going to come out of Connor Orr's pocket. <laughs> well, he's safely like 3,000 miles away. I think we're in trouble there. Uh, moving on, the Detroit <laughs> Lions. Uh, a heartbreaking loss last Thursday, a season-ending loss, let's face it. Uh, take on the St. Louis Rams, uh, who, in addition to being a bad, bad team, they fired Detective Frank Signetti. He told him to hand in his badge and, and, and gun, and who knows what he's up to now. Uh, and now he sent Robert Quinn to IR. This, I mean, listen, ready? I'm putting the clock on one minute on this game. Mark, get us going. Well, you're you're talking about a team that's shutting it down, basically. I mean, they're they're just there's nothing left to play tanking? for in St. Louis. I don't think they're tanking, but that's at their peak. They seem like a team that's tanking. Well, it seems like <laughs> Frank Signetti lost his job because the best player on that offense was getting worse by the week, and that's Todd Gurley. And I don't even blame Gurley. He's getting less productive by the week because there's no blocking and the quarterbacks have held him back. So it sounds like Boris is charged with getting Gurley back on track. He's yeah. been hitting the backfield so much. I mean, maybe we over overhyped Gurley a bit too. I think both I don't think we did at I all. I think all things can possibly be true. I don't think Gurley is, is twenty seconds anyway. Twenty seconds. Well, right. spend it on the Lions, the better team. Here. Poor Lions. I was really getting to like this team. I have never been as devastated for a game where I had no stake in it whatsoever as I was when the Lions lost that game. It really I felt me so out. bad. I don't know why. I felt it bad really, for everybody really in Ford me. Field. I felt bad for the Matthew Stafford and Megatron dropping to his knees in agony. Uh, it just that that team and the fan base needs a break. I That's, felt nothing, but I can understand that. that you uh, that you guys had a lot invested for some reason. All right, time now to welcome into the studio a first-time hero. That's what I like to call her. She is... Hero? Yes, she is the uh, host often. of Around the NFL, the television program on NFL Network, the old flagship uh, station. Uh, she is also a, uh, a mother of three, and she also is potentially... Eating crab legs with Cal Ripken Jr. She is Ambo. Th- Ambo. Ambo. Amber. Rambo's, Rambo's little sister. Theo Harris. Welcome What's to. What's going on? Uh, that is an Amber alert, guys. Uh, oh, you're, wow. the, you're the first to ever say that to me. I would imagine. <laughs> it's unbelievable, really. Nailed it. And I've never eaten crabs with Cal Ripken. I've hung out with him, but I've never. Yeah. I was never in the back of the Orioles planes where he would, like, bring the bushel on for West Coast trips and stink up the whole plane. Hey. Am- yeah, because Amber has a, a hit. You grew up in that region, uh-huh. in Maryland region. You yeah. did coverage of the Orioles before coming out here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was post-Cal. But Cal's still my hero. Well, and famously played by Scarlett Johansson on Saturday Night Live when they randomly did a Orioles skit. That's that was, right. Which is one of the most wow. one of the craziest things that. I've ever Amber seen. Amber was? And it was weird because yeah. it was two years ago. What, Amber was already deep into her NFL network career. I hadn't covered an Orioles game in like five years. And, uh, yeah, they do the spoof and, and people – it was actually when the Pacquiao fight was going on. Okay. So I'm watching the Pacquiao fight, 
and the Mayweather Pacquiao <laughs> fight, and my phone's going crazy, and I'm like, what's going on? And people are mentioning Scar, because SNL aired at the exact same time, and I was just really disappointed they got such a dog to play me. I, mean, <laughs> you know. I was going to say, yeah, that's, that's pretty awesome. It's quite a yeah. compliment. God, she's beautiful. That's yeah. that's like if like Chan- Channing Tatum played Mark Sessler in his sketch <laughs> on SNL. It's like when oh. your wife. Good for him. Amber might not know this, but Dan's uh wife is a casting director and and she said that John Hamm would play Dan in the movie about Oh, see that's beautiful. You're right. And you agree with that? I do, I see the resemblance Thank completely. You. It's, it would have been my first choice for sure. And uh, Amber has just booked herself onto the show multiple <laughs> weeks now. Uh, no, other way around. Amber's a big TV star, so we're happy to have her on the show. Do you, would you like to talk some football with us? Of course. Or maybe of some course. other stuff as we get down the line, but yep. let's get back into the games now and we will uh, start with a game in Philadelphia, uh, a huge game for mm-hmm. the Eagles who, you know, despite being 5-7 and seven in the wretched NFC East, that means you're in first place or at least oh. tied for first. So you now get a game against the Buffalo Bills in your building. And, um, you know, Amber, I'll start with you on this because the Bills, they've been a very schizophrenic team where they look like the team that maybe people thought they could be in August when people were picking them for the playoffs. And then they lay an egg. So their last game, they played very well, won. Does this set up well for the Eagles that you're going to have another bad Bills game now as they go up and down all season? Uh, quite possibly, but I think when you look at what Philadelphia is doing, um, they're not really scoring on offense. They're relying on everything else to score as far as special teams and defense. If they're able to, if the Eagles are able to score that way, um, I think they have a chance, but I don't think two games in a row you're going to see miraculous plays like the, the like Malcolm Jenkins right. again um, this week against the Bills. I don't know about the Bills on the road. You know, Phillies, it is still a tough, hostile environment to play in. A lot of people having the Bills taking that AFC wildcard spot. I just I don't see that happening in the end. On the flip side, I could actually see the Philadelphia Eagles winning the division just by mm. default because I feel like everything's just going to keep falling until someone's somewhat ahead in that division. Well, that's a good – that's actually a good question because – or a good point because – who is the favorite in the NFC East now? Is is there anyone you could actually say, or is this thing literally oh, wide man. open with the Cowboys, obviously, because they're on the outside looking in right now. You wouldn't put them as the favorite. No, their but offense is, is anybody terrible. stick out? Right? I'd go Giants, even though I think that they could win it with six games. I don't think there is a favorite. It's just – and if you looked at the, the metrics or whatever, the advanced stats and giving percentages, like they're all about even now in terms of the Redskins, Giants, and Eagles having a chance to make it. I, I would guess I would give the Eagles an edge, but I also don't think they are suddenly playing better just because they had a fluky game, as Amber said, where special teams and defense scores a ton of touchdowns. The Bills, to me – they're consistent right now on offense. They go into Kansas City, and Tyrod Taylor completed a lot of passes down the field and looked very good. Last week against Houston, who Chris had been talking up as the best defense uh, in the league at the moment, they dropped 30 points on them. They're a tough team to prepare for, and it wasn't all just the running game, although they didn't have to have Tyrod Taylor throw the ball. When he needed to throw it deep, I mean, he's he com- can. He's completing big-time yeah, passes down yeah. the field. I trust them a lot more than I trust the Eagles. 53-yarder and a 52-yarder to Watkins. They've had big plays all year. They're amongst the best team when it comes to big plays from wire to wire. Greg Roman deserves attention for that. But it's Sammy Watkins who's been been involved of late, and that that hit the pass to Clay at the end of the game. And I do think that Houston has a good secondary, but there was no one within 15 yards of Charles Clay on what decided the game. Remember Clay in the movie JFK? Yes, I do. Couldn't trust that guy. 
<laughs> no, he was he, Clay Shaw, Clay Bannister. Clay Shaw. Yeah. Yeah. He had multiple Mark, aliases. Well, you might not know, Amber, by the way, that Mark is a JFK conspiracy That is expert. not true. What? Expert? I am not an expert. You were because you started writing a book. Well, I got 10 pages into it, so. Oh. Well, still, that's <laughs> that was in 1991. 10, 10 pages more further than, than I ever got. Yeah. 1991, <laughs> when you were listening to Go West. You're pretty much an everything conspiracist, though. It's not just JFK. Also, completely false. <laughs> He's a big Go West fan. Pretty yeah, I don't know. You know, at this point, thing. why did I come here today? Well, <laughs> I'm trying to remember why. But we, I mean, we yeah. haven't even brought up the fact that do you guys think that LaShawn McCoy is going to have a big game just fueled by everything that's surprised. happening? I want him to go away so, so much. Why? Just go away, LaShawn McCoy, you awful human being. Wait, are you you're on Chip Kelly's side of this fence? No, I just think LaShawn McCoy, he showed himself to be an awful human being. <laughs> In the offseason a couple of times, once when he treated reporters like there was something he picked off the bottom of his shoe, and then with That's the party. That's the league. <laughs> now, LaShawn McCoy, you could, you could see a disdain in his face as he talked down to other human beings. And then the party where only invited women can come, and he's going to dress them. Mm. That's disgusting. I, I think he'll have a big game, not because not he's specially motivated. I mean, we talked about it the last show. It was funny how he's trying to get his teammates all fired up because he cares more this week. But because he's one of the best running backs in the league, because he's much better uh, than DeMarco Murray is right now, and because he's got a good offensive line. I mean, Rex Ryan made the statement this week, Richie Incognito might be the best run-blocking guard in the entire NFL, and and that's not that crazy a statement. Like, it it would have shocked you to hear that going into the season and it's not that crazy a statement now um i was the only one of the group to pick the bills i was surprised what? that was a, a good hero pick for the old zeus or i believe well that we, could change they this is a okay that's fine this is a uh to me a loser goes home match for the bills at no least yeah. you're done if they if they fall six and seven in that playoff picture they're done but so not I, for the eagles not for the eagles <laughs> the eagles are still alive buddy might they continue lose. to lose they could go one and three that. and win the division so and I, you're gonna win that one that's a hero i hope so be, uh, because i do think the bills will falter down the line when everyone thinks they're gonna win but i think they're gonna take care of business today yeah we shall see uh let's uh move on ladies and gentlemen uh to the Seah- seattle seahawks who the are hacks yeah they all of a sudden they look like uh, the Seahawks again, and now they are traveling to Baltimore. They get a Ravens team uh, that is not very good, as we know. Four and eight. They got Matt Schaub at quarterback, uh, who is a pick six machine. <laughs> if they're lucky. If uh, they're lucky. I yeah, mean, that's true. I mean, they don't have anybody healthy left on the entire roster. This, no. yeah, this Greg on paper looks like uh, a blowout for how, the Seattle Seahawks. How unlucky is Jimmy Clausen? Because as we're taping mm. this Thursday afternoon, it looks like there's a good chance Jimmy Clausen is going to get the start. And the last time we saw Jimmy Clausen, of course, was also against the Seahawks. <laughs> oh, that's right. And they didn't score a point. That was and they the- punted every single time they had the ball. I mean, and it's an impossible spot. <laughs> and we had a, a very quick stupid Well, a punt's argument. better than an interception, so I guess that's, uh, that's we, what they're considering right now. We had, a, we had a stupid argument downstairs, and they were like, well, what's the difference between Matt Schaub and Jimmy Clausen? And I would argue there actually is a, d- a pretty big difference because Jimmy Clausen just joined the team a few weeks ago. And Matt Schaub, as bad as he's – been in terms of the pick sixes, those have been pick, you know, tipped passes. He's looked like an NFL quarterback, not a good NFL quarterback. Jimmy Clausen, I think, gives you no chance to move the ball at all. Not if, that it really matters. If you had, if you had a draft of the worst quarterbacks of the last three years, those would probably be the top two draft picks: Matt Schaub and Jimmy Clausen. <laughs> That's fair. Mm. And I, he's gonna have to, he's gonna have to be put on the spot if they play the way they did against Adrian Peterson. I mean, they gang tackled him over and over. Amber, uh, do you like keep 
keep closer tabs on the Ravens still, even though I usually dreadful. do. I usually do. You're a Ravens fan. Um, well, I grew up a Redskins fan. Okay. Uh, in the D.C. area, but that's because you know we didn't have the Colts in town. They left when I was really small. But my whole family was Redskins fans. But when I started covering sports as a professional, and I covered both the Redskins and the Ravens, it really kind of swayed my opinion. Um, just based on the way the two organizations were run, I I started in the late '90s when Dan Snyder had just bought the team. <laughs> And, um, you know, just being a young journalist, one of my first a hungry young journalist, a hungry young journalist. And one of my first experiences was seeing Dan kick like a whole section of the media off of out of the facility. And it, this was the, I was like, what does this can that happen? Aren't you allowed to cover the team? Can you even just that's your hero, that? Wesley? Can you do that? <laughs> what? Um, and on the other end, I remember you know, that. I remember uh, do you remember that? that? It was I a did. big that I was there. Was that was like story. one of my first days working wow. in media. And um it was it was uh Rennie Knott in Channel Seven. Yeah, he kicked them all off. Yeah. But um it, on the other hand, Steve Bashotti, you know, in that organization with Ozzie Newsom from top to bottom, I, I was with them even closer than the Redskins for nine years. And so, yeah, I saw all those guys get drafted, um, saw them come in as young guys, Joe Flacco and, and Haloti Nada. And I mean, and gosh, I was even back when Terrell Suggs was first drafted. So, um, yeah, I keep a little bit closer another tabs peach. on them. Another another peach of a human <laughs> yeah. being. Uh, I like it. Amber comes um, on here and starts oh, just dishing. I love that. Um, yeah. I hold in my hands the 2015 season week 14 research notes. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is that Pretty Woman? Also? Yes, it is. Yep. Yes. All right, I see where we're going with this. Uh, we should move on to another game, but I need to share this about Thomas Rawls, who deserves the spotlight. He's taken over from Marshawn Lynch, as we know, has not – Skipped the beat, 712 yards rushing, setting a new NFL record for an undrafted player in his first six starts. You have to go back to Arian Foster in 2010 for someone that approaches that, but he doesn't even have Rawls beat. Rawls is the real deal. What a, what a move well, by is, the this is Seattle the Seahawks. Yeah, this is the difference between the Seahawks of the last couple of years and this year's Seahawks is that they always had beast mode and they had that defense, and Russell Wilson was good, but now they've got Russell Wilson who can throw four or five touchdowns a game and they've got Rawls. They've got the running game. And then we've seen the, the defense uh, playing well as well. So I think this is – I think it's next to the Cardinals, maybe the dangerous, most dangerous team in mm. the NFC right now. Interesting. We all took the Seahawks across the board. Let's move on to the New Orleans Saints. The New Orleans Saints heading to Tampa uh, to face the Buccaneers. Uh, the Saints are out of the mix at 4-8. and eight, But the Buccaneers are frisky, 6-6. Six and six. They got an exciting young quarterback. Uh, they have a, uh, a real chance to make a move here in the NFC if they take care of business at home. Mark Sessler, uh, your thoughts? you think the Buccaneers are going to seize this moment to build some momentum? I do. I think the Bucks could, looking at their schedule, go about 3-1 and one down the stretch. I don't know if they'll get into the playoffs, but this is a team that if you've been a Bucks fan, you've suffered through a lot. There is a lot of reasons for hope. And watching that Falcons game from last week, I couldn't help but wonder if Matt Ryan – looked across the sideline at Dirk Hodder and just said, I want that offense back. <laughs> because that fit the Falcons, and it certainly fits the Bucks. And Winston is the perfect quarterback for what they're doing because maybe he just doesn't even know what he doesn't know at this point, but he's not afraid to take shots down the field. He's got the perfect two wide receivers for it. And Doug Martin does takes a lot of pressure off him as well. I really think that the Bucks. there's nothing fluky about them. I think that they, it took them a month to, get, to figure out what they were, and now they are an interesting team. When I watched that game, 
the thought occurred to me, there's no better Mr. Inside and Mr. Outside than Doug Martin and Charles Sims right now in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Charles Sims looks really quick. He can't be used like Doug Martin, but as a pass catching, pass catching back and a scat back outside, he's been great. I mean, they may be the best running back duo in the league. At least it's top five, and Sims has been doing that all year, but it's been more and more of it. Yeah. The, schedule's, the schedule favors them for sure. They yes, have the it does. The Saints, the Rams, the Bears, and the Panthers, so that would be mm. three. And it one. may be the Panthers sitting players. It might be, exactly, exactly. So they're three at, I say, at the least three and one. That's so. nine and seven. And then who are they competing with for, for the wild card right now? You assume that the Seahawks – get the the first wild card spot and then the second one is probably going to come down to the Bucks or the Vikings and the yeah. Vikings have a, a pretty tough schedule all the, all do. the way um, down we the talked line about they that play the, the Packers in the divisional matchup week 17 so let's say they both when I was looking at the Vikings schedule I think they go one and three Woo. but that would put both teams at nine and seven so that's where it gets interesting because then it comes to they didn't play head-to-head -head, so a bunch of different tiebreakers conference yeah. if you want to play along with Amber you can go to NFL.com and use our playoff predictor. Wow. Look at you, oh, company oh. man. Christmas. I love it. I, I You get three drink tickets at the Christmas <laughs> yes. party. Oh, yeah. And a plus one. West famously. That's like, oh, let's Western. not get crazy. That, don't no get crazy. No Nobody gets a plus one. Nobody. And West famously skipped it last year because <laughs> he didn't like the, the line in the invitation that said you had to be I don't know. Cocktail attire. Cocktail attire. Cocktail attire. Yeah, that, and he was oh. like, screw I'm that. Out, I'm out on cocktail attire. I'm not attire. doing cocktail attire. <laughs> I got well, better things to do. They're like guys showing up in shorts and on skateboards. <laughs> right. I got I better can, things to do than dress up in cocktail attire. I can well, promise you the drink tickets or the limited amount of drink me. tickets have never stopped <laughs> us at any holiday party. Never. Never. No. On any level. You got to know the right people. I can always find me another drink ticket <laughs> somehow, but I'll be damned if I'm going to pay five fifty for a cocktail at a Christmas party. There you go. Amber Theo Harris. Wait, is it? Is it? Amber Theo Harris, or is it Amber Thea Harris? Theo Harris. The it's one word. Harris. It's one word, Theo Harris. Theo Harris. It's Amber Theo Harris. It's Greek. Mm. Oh, but, right. you know, you Americans. I knew there was something you different. Pe you people say yeah. Theo Harris. Uh, okay, before we all uh, took the bucks to take care of business, uh, Amber, before you go, I wanted to check in. We Well, we just heard Roxette, of course. <laughs> uh, one of the great uh, anthems of 1990. Really? Uh, also was Chris My Wessling's. Uh, pick for embarrassing album slash single of his past that he purchased. Uh, Amber, I am curious what your most embarrassing uh, purchase. Listen, this is a like I said uh, on, on the last show. This is a no shame area. This is a no this shame. A, you're in the trust tree. <laughs> no one will mock you. We Circle just this is, a, this is a place of, to share our past. Most embarrassing purchase musical. OK, um, you guys hit me with this a little earlier. I had a little time to think. I would have to go back. Don't pull back to, the curtain. I, I would have to go back to like 1990, 91, I'm going to guess. Good era for this. It was, well, I said you, you have to realize I was an adolescent girl in the, in the 80s, not early 90s. I have a lot of embarrassing <laughs> music. But I remember buying for my little boyfriend in sixth grade a Sam. I can't even remember your last name, Sam. I apologize. <laughs> you were really important to me, though. He's a big listener. Millie Vanilli's. Ooh. Baby, don't forget my number. Uh, and I like, and it was a, uh oh. <laughs> oh I like this. Didn't they do too. like a, in the video? Yes, absolutely. Like together? Well, remember? that's all they did. That yeah, was their that thing. was all they did. It With was like, like floating objects in the sky behind them. Exactly, with the braids, and the braids and would like sway. Yep. Yeah, I don't think you're that embarrassed uh, about it by I'm your kinda, reaction. I kind of like it right now. Amber is dancing to it. She's she's loving it. I kind of jamming right now. Yeah. And it wasn't a bad song. Not at no. all. Now for our younger if listeners they had sang too. It. 
because when we were downstairs, <laughs> it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. When we were downstairs in the uh, the video editing room where Sydney was cutting that song, uh, Sydney, for one, who's a young woman born in the early '90s. Uh, and several other 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 of the producers did not know who Millie Vanilli was. Yeah, they oh, said, no. "How do you spell that?" Yeah. <laughs> when I said it's Millie Vanilli. <laughs> and those that don't know Millie Vanilli was a fraud. They were put together by some record label honcho, and then were exposed. They didn't sing their own songs. They're basically just and model. One of dances. them, I mean, they, it was like they fell apart from there. They got really involved in drugs, and I think yeah. one of them yeah. died. They OD. Well, there was I mean, a lot of embarrassment. Crazy. You know, this has been recorded in like VH1 specials. I, I owned that album too, and I proudly owned it to be honest. But I had a lot of terrible music that's been exposed um, my boyfriend sam what's his whoever name? his name was sam you're a bum <laughs> <laughs> sam is listening to just, just a tear going down. <laughs> he lives under a bridge the one that got yeah. away and, and, and i remember wrapping the single cassette remember the single you went to sam goody or whatever yeah. and you bought the single oh, cassette, yeah. and yeah. i wrapped it and put it in his locker in sixth grade shout what? out you were a good wow. girl Nights, uh, middle school and somehow the love didn't last. No, it didn't. Uh, Amber, again, is the uh, host of Around the NFL, the television program, which you can find five times a week. Check your local listings. I'm not even going to give the time. Congrats. I'm, dro- I'm dropping the check. Congrats, local by the way, you guys, on uh, being listed as one of the top ten sports casts mm. on Awful Announcing. Have you even brought that up? I mean, has that been brought up on this? If, listen, once we get to know each other better, you'll know that we bring up anything positive immediately about ourselves. <laughs> came up on the last show in real time. That's that's how it came about that I got on the podcast. We were in makeup, Greg and I together. Oh, not surprised. We're Greg in makeup, and, makeup. And, and, and this came up, and I was like, hey. Was Greg congrats. getting his haircut? I did not bring Thank it up. You. For, for the record. Um, Greg wasn't even Adam on camera Rank. yesterday. He Adam just gets Rank. makeup Adam now. Rank <laughs> I don't recall it happening that way. But um, as you were getting powdered, you said, hey, have you guys seen how great oh. we are? Yeah, oh. that's how That checks out. That yes, sounds accurate to me. <laughs> Congrats, guys. Thanks for uh, having me. Thank, thank you, Amber. So Amber Theo Harris. No, Amber Theo Harris. <laughs> Opa! <laughs> Something like that. Uh, we'd you love to have you back on again. Yeah, everybody do Uzo. <laughs> Okay, thank you, Amber. Let's move on now. The Oakland Raiders, we uh, see them traveling to Denver to face the Broncos. Uh, the, the Raiders, one, you know, another season of promise. Uh, seem, well, this was the first season of promise in a while, but it looks like it's ending in a negative way. But maybe they can, you know, end on a strong note. They're 5-7. and seven. They go to Denver. They can knock off the Broncos and Brock Osweiler. Uh, Greg, I will say this, you know, Denver – Took care of business against San Diego um, last week, but I I could see Osweiler costing them games or putting them in bad spots. He's a young quarterback, hasn't looked great. He struggled last week, and that got overlooked because they won, and that's fine. But their running game right now is banged up, and I think this. For, I just have a, a spidey sense feeling on this game. It was my uh, bold prediction and our headline of the future on NFL Now that I think the Raiders are going to go in there and win this game and bounce back from what, really what was Derek Carr's worst game of the year. I, I don't even know who I picked, but I could see that. I mean, Oakland has lost four or five, but they still have – they're still making plays week to week. And I, Osweiler missed a bunch of throws in that last game. And I don't know, if, is C.J. Anderson going to play? Kubiak said he expects Hillman and Anderson to both return to practice by Friday, but Jawan Thompson might get the start. Thompson is not bad. He's, He's not bad, no. and – and Osweiler did miss some throws, but they just jumped out to a lead and ran the ball their second half. Yeah, yep, that's fair, too. They just sat on the ball. And DeMarcus Ware is supposed to come back this week to a defense that really shut down the Chargers, played lights out last week. I would be surprised by an upset. 
Michael Crabtree got a big contract this week. Turned out to be a really nice signing for him, and he got rewarded. I think he's going to get sixteen million or so over nineteen million guaranteed. Yeah, I think it's sixteen over the first two years. Uh, so that that was a good buy low by Reggie McKenzie, and they have a nice group there with with Cooper Crabtree and Seth Roberts. If you didn't know he was an undrafted rookie, you would think, wow, this guy's got a great future in the league as as a third. I mean, he makes some tough tough plays. The best thing going for Reggie McKenzie right now is that. He doesn't have to touch the offensive side of the ball at all in the offseason. You've got your nucleus. You've got a good offensive line. You've got a running back. You've got receivers. You've got Clive Walford at tight end. Go get some pieces to help Khalil Mack on defense. Mm. Uh, you got to love Michael Crabtree, your classic riches to rags to riches story. <laughs> right. Yeah. Would you? Would it? Would Not we really be underdog over deal. worrying about Cooper and the drops? Because every yeah. time I watch a Raiders game. He has one or two that kill the team. No, yeah. because I think you should worry because that's what everyone said with him coming out of college was a concern. Then again, T.O., I mean, right. who that's dropped just, more yeah. passes than T.O.? Yeah. If he, yeah, if he drops eight a year and has 100 catches, he'll take yeah, it. Mike Evans is dropping more passes than Amari Cooper, and he's another guy. I mean, it hurts his value. It makes him not as good a player, I guess. It's yeah. obvious. I mean, it maybe prevents him from being the very top of the top. He's not Odell Beckham. The, in the entire Bron uh, the entire around the NFL team took the Broncos. Uh, moving on, the Dallas Cowboys, who are miraculously one game out in the NFC East after their Monday night win over the Redskins, travel to Lambeau Field and get the Packers. Uh, you know, at first glance, this is a uh, absolute blowout and, and, and wait. But then you think about what's going on with the Packers, uh, that they've lost two straight Lambeau, which this does not happen typically. And they had no business winning last Thursday night. So the what, what the difference in a, a sixty-one year old, a sixty-one yard hail mary is a seven and five, and the Packers in a total free fall instead of eight and four, mm. first place. Everyone thinks everything's okay with Green Bay, but the, it's not. They're still the same team that's struggling to score points and isn't even been dominant at home, right, Wes? Randall Cobb, four catches, forty-six yards is what he's averaging over his last nine games. It's amazing. And he's paid $10 million a year. Neither Cobb nor wow. Adams has a 100-yard game in the last 10 games, and Adams is getting the targets to do it. So, I mean, these guys, are the receivers are still killing Aaron Rodgers. What is wrong with Randall Cobb? Why? I know he's not a pure number one, but what what is do, what are well, they doing to make him uh, a jag, just he, another guy? I've learned over the years that skill position players and probably all NFL players do not play well through shoulder injuries. And he had one in, I believe, in late August. He's yep. been playing th through it all year. You're probably afraid to get hit a little bit. And I think he's gotten a lot more defensive attention without Jordy Nelson there. And he's not the type – he's a slot receiver. It's why slot receivers don't get paid big money. They don't handle double teams. And the offense was looking a little better when in the beginning of the ja uh, season. James Jones was looking rejuvenated, and you thought, wow, you know, he just slides in, and Aaron Rodgers is so good he can make him a pro bowler again. But that obviously didn't happen. They're lacking weapons. And it's, it's weird to say that about Green Bay because, you know, when – when they re-signed Cobb, we thought that was an absolute quintessential Green Bay move. Where and you're gonna, it's gonna be great for Cobb's career. But losing Nelson, and I, I thought we all thought Green Bay could still be successful without Nelson. But that indirectly impacts the other receivers and moves everyone up a notch higher than they should be. And Cobb is not a your bone. He's not a like a from the mold number one wideout. Well, they're a mess. I mean, they're playing Crockett in in a big game. Against Detroit, I'm forgetting his first name, John? name right now. Uh, you know, Davey. it's his first game <laughs> ever for the Packers. You've got your 
overweight and under motivated starting running back who's been the key to your offense or on some level late in the season on the bench. That's been a problem. They had 78 yards in the first half against Detroit. They did have a good comeback. I think they should be, uh, you know, they were in a tough spot there, and their defense is what really won them that game by getting a lot of stops. I mean, there were so many possessions in that game, and I think their defense will be good enough to dominate Matt Castle and the Cowboys, and ultimately, whatever the offense does, I think they can do it. the defense can do enough to win. It also helps when the opposing coach on the final play is preparing his defense for a lateral, not a Hail Mary. So, <laughs> I mean, oh my gosh, I, can't, I still can't believe that happened, that they, they threw a lateral to Rodgers with no time left on the clock, and he's 80 yards away, and they wind up winning that game. It's just one of the craziest things that's ever happened at the end of a football game. And it's going to cost Jim Caldwell's job potentially. I mean, I think he had a chance to save it. Yeah, I agree. And I I think that it all went out the window there. Uh, Davy Crockett. I mean, the the same problem they have every week, which is nothing is on like nothing is as planned in their offense. Their only plays are Aaron Rodgers backs up, runs around and tries to improvise. It's basically what everyone says Russell Wilson does. That's what Aaron Rodgers does now. So that's on the play caller. Yeah, it's on the scheme and the play caller a lot. Cooter's okay, though. <laughs> well, It's Cooter time. Cooter's fine until Jim Caldwell's sent packing, and then we'll see what happens to Cooter. Uh, we all took the Packers to take care of business, but we've been doing that a lot in the last six weeks, and it hasn't <laughs> always played out that way. We'll see what happens. Uh, moving on, the New England Patriots. And uh, they travel to Houston to face the, the, the Texans. And you, know, you talk about your throwing at ease, Greg. Uh, only the Patriots uh, can get the Texans. Oh, and, you know, three days before the game, J.J. Watt breaks his hand. I mean, come on. The He's greatest defensive the player of a generation breaks his hand three days before he gets the Patriots. You almost think that somehow Bill Belichick's involved. Uh, so, <laughs> you know. You do. I don't think Greg does. Apparently. The other 31 owners do. Apparently, uh, J.J. Watt says he, he's going to play, but he doesn't know. He doesn't know what he can do. He just broke his hand. Uh, so the Patriots in a good spot there because if Watt doesn't play, he'll be Texans fine. No he's J.J. Watt. It's all some WWE-style narrative uh, they've contrived just to make J.J. Watt a bigger star. How about that for a conspiracy? Well, I kind of like that, too. I, 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 I could see J.J. Watt doing that. <laughs> and then yeah. when he wins the game like with a club, they'll be selling the club afterwards on HoustonTexans.com or something. Yeah, I could see the Texans, like, social media handler, like some 24-year-old out of Baylor being like, oh, man, this club really clubbed the competition. Not even a good tweet. (laughs) At least give it to a good – like, a good tweet would be nice. Come on, team side. You know what I'm not looking forward to? A close Texans-Patriots game and watching the ending with you clowns uh, up here in the studio. (laughs) Oh, you're saying you don't like your team suffering in front of an entire newsroom (laughs) of jabbers. It's a little different in this room, and we're all just like, Uh we're not watching that game. No one else know about that because the Browns don't play on Sunday nights. First of all, Wes and and Mark are, you know, bandwagon Patriots fans. That's true. Carrying that water. I'm just kidding. I don't like it because he can't. And I'll be rooting for the Patriots, too. I don't want the Texans to win 10 games. All right. There we go. Right? But you want them to win the South. Really? You would really. Yes. It's Well, it's tricky. They are the best team in that division. You don't have to worry about the, despite what Greg says, you do not have to worry about the AFC South in the wild card picture. So I'm I'm assuming the Colts are just going to fall out. Yes. The Colts are a bad, bad football team. I'm going to show some rare uh, confidence. You know, sometimes you say I underplay them. I think they'll respond. Gronkowski's back at practice on Thursday. They're getting a little healthier. 
I think they'll be fed Is up. Is Gronk going to play? We don't know that. I mean, obviously, that's a huge, Wes, huge factor. you took the Texans, a hero I took pick the Texans before, before I knew about Watt's broken hand and Gronk's return to practice. I may change this pick Sunday morning, depending. Okay. I wonder if we might finally get, like, a breakout game from Clowney. Because they've He's been doing well. things. Yeah, and they're putting, like, Watt next to him. And suddenly the offensive line is wondering, what on earth do we do with this? Clowney got to the quarterback That's last week. And he, 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 Brady's been getting hit. He, I wrote th- I'm wrote. i looking at the game against the Bills. He was really coming on in that Bills game, too. Yeah. Uh, not just – especially against the run, he's been really good. I'm wondering – If Brian Hoyer was the Jets quarterback, you would be telling me he's ranked too low in the QB index. I mean, that's the thing. Well, Brian Hoyer's been playing well. That's what I mean. No, Ryan Fitzpatrick's better. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with that. Last thought in this game, catch a pass, Brandon LaFell. Yeah. Oh, mm. that's rough. Yes. Killing Tom Brady, who's playing well still. Not well enough to be number one on the QB index. No, Carson Palmer took it over. He's just been too good. Mm. And uh, finally, we move on to Monday Night Football. The New York Giants, 5-7, uh, and seven, tied for first in the NFC East, but they'll have a much better idea what's going on by the time they take the field uh, in Miami to face the Dolphins. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, a finalist, and then Dalton Scale um, <laughs> Redux uh, will uh, have the primetime stage uh, with John Gruden, I, I kind of I can imagine the Gi- this is how I picture this. I think the Giants win the game, and I can imagine three hours of John Gruden just um, dissecting all the things that's wrong with Ryan Tannehill right now. Mm. <laughs> that's <laughs> that how I picture. Fun. Sounds like a good way to spend three. So Game-winning sack by JPP. And I'll take. Ooh, I like that. He came. Speaking of coming on, he looked a he lot looked more good like against JPP the Jets. against the Jets. Um, I will also say this. I said this on our NFL Now hit. When the smoke clears at the end of week 14, the Giants will be alone atop the NFC East. Everyone else is going to lose. We'll see if that works. Didn't you (laughs) also say Tom Coughlin may have lost his job last week? Nothing makes sense in the NFC East, so yes, I said that too. (laughs) Anybody, If anybody here wants to cover this game, it's all you. You're the Monday night guy. You're saying you would you you would oh, give up the chance. To- I have a glazed over look in my eye picturing watching this Giants backfield for four quarters. <laughs> it's really bad. It's like the four Boarsmen. Yeah, the Dolphins <laughs> are a tough watch. I think the Dolphins are an even tougher watch right now. Well, I'm trying to think. What is it that uh, attracts us to the Miami Dolphins if you're going to saddle up and watch this game somewhere? I, I can't think of, of too many things or even one thing. Zero the NFL, you know, fun things happen, but yeah. It could be a close game. That's not Dolphins specific, but I'll, that's fair. It's <laughs> that's 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 it. Devontae Parker's been better. I All right. Touchdown and back-to-back games. All right. I'll buy that. Fergie. I still have a hope that Tannehill will climb out of it, but he just never has – he hasn't shown that. How about Dan Campbell's ripped upper body? Yeah. That works out. But if I want to see someone jacked, I'll just FaceTime, you know, Patra. That's true. <laughs> You could get that done during the day. You don't, don't spend your whole night with it. In front I'd of love to see the reaction from Patra when he sees his phone and uh, <laughs> it says Dan Hansis would like to FaceTime. Yeah. What the? F- and it's just, what is this? <laughs> it's just like, it feels like a butt dial. Like a scary, like a scary eyed look. Zeus are looking all thirsty. I, you know, all right, that will be fine. I think we've heard enough. <laughs> <laughs> the Giants across the board uh, selected to win this game. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. Oh, yeah. Please do it so we can get the Dolphins back off the in-the-hunt graphic on television. Please. That's a disgrace. They put them back on with 5-7. and seven. That's a disgrace. All right. So that is it for the Thursday preview. We will have uh, all these games 
uh, well, with the exception of that last game we just talked about, uh, on the docket on Sunday night when we uh, recap all of the Week 14 Sunday action. So make sure you come back for that. We're also on Sunday on, on YouTube and NFL Now. That's our one video show a week. So for now anyway, because we will continue to grow as an entity. That is our solemn promise. We're going to take this <laughs> network over. You know, awful announcing puts us in their top ten sports podcasts. <laughs> Got to get up to number one. That's uh, that's now on my list of goals. Move up that list. Get on to get a TV show on NFL Network. Get paid. Mm. Get some big money. <laughs> Talking millions. The mics are still on here, Dan. Oh, I thought. Okay, that's right. Uh, no, just continue to grow the show. That's the goal moving forward. Thank you for everyone uh, for listening. Uh, this is Dan Hansa signing off for. Quiet Storm. Thanks for coming in, buddy. Sure. Mailman. The boss. La Cid behind the glass. You're right. <laughs> Till Sunday. Hi and hello football fans, your old pal Dave Damashek here. Make sure you listen to the Dave Damashek football program as we preview week 14 with the great Matt Money-Smith on NFL.com slash podcast and iTunes. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.